morning and welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Whether you're worshiping with us online or you're here in the building, we want to welcome you. Let's stand together this morning. Lord, we give you praise for all that you've done. Thank you. 
brothers and sisters. Let's keep lifting up the name of the Lord. Amen? He's worthy of our praise, isn't he? Let's praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. Think of all the good things he's done for you. And that should give your heart plenty of reason to praise him, to adore him. I was going to explain to you why I'm wearing this particular outfit, but I believe Pastor Roger could do it better than I can. See you in the house. Douglas, would you come up here, please? Calling Pastor Roger. <laughs> I think so. I could say this, but I'd rather Pastor Roger do it. Lynn, would you see where Pastor Roger is, please? In the meantime, let me read a verse to you here. Doug, why don't you read this? That is 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Pastor's going to do it. I think you'll remember. <laughs> but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Uh, look, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Thank you. just thank you for that love you continue to pour upon us. The guidance you give us. Oh, Father, the love that you have for all of your creation all around this world. Thank you, Father. Father, again, with things going on in this world and the war that's been started. Father, just touch, touch our, our brothers over there. Oh, on both sides. Oh, Father, that your name would be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, just, you know, as, as David stepped out against Goliath, Thank you, Jesus, that your name may be glorified. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And I don't see Pastor Roger, so I will tell you what and why we're wearing these outfits. These were given as a gift by a couple of our Nigerian brothers. Is Pastor Roger here? giving us gifts to Pastor Roger and to Elder Doug and also to myself, former Elder Doug, and they wanted to bless us with uh, outfits from their nation, from Nigeria. I don't know if you remember a few uh, months ago, but one of our brothers, uh, John Ikeocha, did a presentation on Nigeria, and he showed the beautiful dresses and the outfits that they had, and we uh, told him how much we admired them, and the next thing we knew, we had outfits. Voila! <laughs> They're such good good brothers, and we appreciate that. And they got some very nice things for the ladies also, so who knows what might happen. But in the meantime, we just want to give God the glory. This all gives him honor. Around the world, as Doug just read, God does not look at people as individuals. He sees us all as one loving family, his family, made in his image. Amen? Amen. All right, praise God. God bless you. Have a blessed day. You may be seated. My name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about some of those. 
This Wednesday, March 2nd, is Ash Wednesday. It is a solemn reminder of our human condition and the need to draw closer to God. In observance of Ash Wednesday, we have two opportunities for you to join us in worship. From 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Bear Campus, we will host our weekly Hope Lunch and focus our attention on repentance and communion. If you cannot make it for lunch, you can stop by any time up until 1 p.m. to receive ashes and communion. Then at 7 p.m., our Ellsmoo campus will host another Ash Wednesday service. Life groups are a key component in keeping us connected to one another and to God. Every Monday at 7 p.m., Pastor Sharon hosts a Zoom group called Beyond. It's an opportunity to connect, talk about the message from the weekend, and spend time in prayer. It is open to anyone who would like to join. You will find the link to the Zoom meeting, as well as info on all of our life groups by visiting ctcde.church slash lifegroups. We are continuing to prepare for our upcoming trip to England from September 20th through 27th. If you're interested in traveling with us, there's a Zoom meeting scheduled for Thursday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. You will find the link to the Zoom meeting as well as other information about the trip by going to ctcde.church events. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And good morning to all those online. It feels like I haven't seen you in a while. Well, I have. I was here last week, but I was just kind of chilling. But nice to see everyone. Thank you for joining us. If you are new here and you are in the sanctuary, again, welcome. So before you leave, once you leave the sanctuary and go to the left, you will see the Welcome Center where you will receive a free gift and be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff and also just be like, this is a chance to talk to everyone in the congregation. And for those of you online, if you are new, you can either click the New Here button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. And now for a connect card. So whether you're at your tables or at your seat, you'll see a connect card where we would love for you to fill out your name so we know that you're here today. And also you can write a prayer request because we are always praying for you. And again, for those of you online, you can either click the connect here button at the top or the bubble that just came up in the chat. My words were stumbled. Ah, hello. I want to, I want to, now I'm going to explain why I'm, I'm dressed this way, as Pastor Vaughn said, uh, I'm wearing a gift uh, this morning, and today is uh, part of the series that we call It's a Cultural Thing. I'm going to invite the Asiocho family if you'd, you'd come over here, because they... <laughs> so, uh, we're very glad to have all of you. This Grace, Angela, <laughs> Mama, Gladys, and John, and, uh, oh yes... Wait a minute. All kinds of details. There we go. That helps. So we have the Aikiocha family here with us this morning. Grace and Angela, Gladys and John. And their native country is, is Nigeria. And a few months ago they gave a presentation. The reason we have this series is so that we can, uh, we can celebrate 
and give thanks that the Word of God, the message of God, is for all people. And that we, we are part of that creation in this church. And uh, we want to celebrate that and give thanks to that. And so we're grateful for the Aikiocha family and for your, your faithfulness and for the way that you bring your culture to us this morning. Does this outfit have a particular name? Is it called something unique? Okay. Um, Particular to the Yoruba tribe. Yoruba. Yes, of Western Nigeria. Um, Yorubas are known for having the highest number of PhD holders. Um, <laughs> besides um, the experts in cocoa and timber. So. Um, Very good. The top part of his outfit is called the Abada. Abada. It's like a three-piece suit. So that's the Abada. One, two. <laughs> and then the shirt is called Buba, while the pants are called Shukudo. And then it comes with a cap that goes on it, um, but there's a rule to the cap. There's a rule to, the, a cap. Rule to the cap. What's the rule to the cap? Um, you wear the cap, but if you have to greet your dad or your senior, the cap has to come off. Come off. When you're greeting your dad or your senior, your the dad, cap comes off. Your elder, the cap yep. comes off. Remember that, Doug? After that, you put it back. Doug, you are not the senior elder in the room, <laughs> so I expect your hat to come off when you greet others. <laughs> anyway, thank you so, all for, for your, your gift. You can give that back to Pastor Bill behind you. And... Uh, so we're gonna we're this is we'll be saying more about uh, it's a cultural thing uh, in the series as we continue to give thanks to God uh, that His love is He created all people He created all people different and we are grateful for that and and glad to it's important for us to get to know the different cultures uh, in which God has to it God has blessed us in many ways so we thank God for that and I just wanted to share that with you this morning thank you all. And uh, and it's a this, it's a good it's a good illustration for uh, the for our for our stewardship because you know that here at Christ the Cornerstone we we emphasize uh, loving God serving God and engaging the world the whole world with God's love and uh, that's the, 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 so we we have these principles that we follow but the, what I want to bring out with this. Uh, is that uh, John had the ability to provide this. He was motivated, moved by the Holy Spirit to be generous. And so he was, and he did this. And what we want you to do is to ask God, Lord, what have you given to me? What talents have you given to me? What parts of my culture are, or my family's understanding are worth sharing with other people so that they may know your grace? That's what we want every person at Christ the Cornerstone to do. It's part of our faithfulness, part of our serving together as we do that. And so I'm grateful for the service that John and, and his family provide to this and this church. and grateful for all the serving that you do in our church. Here's our principle, principle number one. Let's read this together as we see it. We strive to give God's will priority over money. Now, I wasn't just talking about money. I was talking about all of our things. We strive to give God's 
will, God's will, priority over all things that we have. Not just our money, but the talents that we have and the things that we do also. And there's a scripture that goes along with this, the Matthew 6.33. Let's read this together. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Let's trust that. Let's obey that. And uh, more about that later in the service. Well, we want to continue worshiping the Lord this morning. I invite you to stand together. Uh, uh, Just remember to place your prayers, your offerings, uh, those envelopes in the baskets before you leave, or you can give them online. Let's stand together as I offer this prayer and we continue to worship. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the variety of cultures in this world. Thank you. That not one of those cultures was left out of your plan to bring all people unto you. So even though we're not all represented in this room today, we thank you for all of them. I'm thinking right now, God, of Eastern cultures, the Russian culture, the Ukrainian culture, the people there. We pray for your protection. We pray for your will to be done. Lord, hear the prayers of your people being lifted up today all over this world. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We thank God for his blessings.
believe in the promises that God has made to us and you believe that breakthrough is coming into place in your life this morning, come on, let's lift our voice together. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we magnify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you for the promises in your word that are yes and amen, which just means they are true and so be it. God's word is true and he cannot lie. Month by month by month, as I am blessed to get a paycheck from Christ the Cornerstone, they make an automatic deposit into my bank account. And every time that day comes, I'm rejoicing. But you know what? God, on a regular basis, on a periodic basis, sometimes when we don't expect it, makes a deposit in our lives. He makes a deposit in our heart. And what that promise is, is to do what he said he would do. To be who he said he would be so we would become the people that he is making us into. Where we are on the journey from who we were to who we will become, we've not completed that journey. The other day I was driving somewhere and I needed GPS because I wasn't quite sure where I was going. And so when I got there, the GPS said, you have arrived. Well, I don't usually get told that, especially not when it comes to real life. Because the only time when we will have arrived is when we get to the other side. And he's making deposits in our lives because we are not who we were, but we are not who we are yet to become. And that promise is great, isn't it? Can we just give the Lord praise again? Just whether you want to clap to him, whether you want to just speak your praise to him, he is worthy to be praised. Amen. And Lord creation praises you. Your word said that the rocks that the rocks would cry out if we don't. Your word says in the Psalms that the heavens declare the glory of God. So we will too. And God of creation there at the start for the beginning of With no point of reference, he spoke to the dark, fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born in the vapor of. The stars were made to worship. 
that we were the one that you left the other 99 to come and find. Late in that song, the lyric says, I can see your heart eight billion different ways. That's the population of the world, folks. Eight billion different ways. He created us all different. But he created us all with a purpose in mind. His purpose. So, Lord, if creation is made, created, spoken into existence to praise you, then so will I. In the good times and the hard times, no matter what the times look like, no matter what it feels like, no matter whether we understand what we're going through or not, God, we understand more than anything else that you are taking us on a journey. God, we want to walk with you. There's nobody else that we want to walk this journey with. So we ask you today, Lord, as Pastor Roger comes, brings a message, and as we experience your word together today, we pray that our hearts would be open to receive from you everything that you have for us today. Lord, let us not leave anything on the table, but to take all the good gifts that you have showered upon us and use them for your kingdom and your glory. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you guys to come stand right over here. There's more light over here, and that'll be good. There's Preston and Josh and Dad Josh and Holly and Jack. And, and you know, there's some Sundays we just... This is, a, this is a feast of worship this morning because we've got all kinds of things happening. And, and, and worship is always a celebration. And so we got all kinds of things to celebrate today, and we're just cramming it all together. So it's a smorgasbord of, of, of worship and of things that we're doing. So we're here this morning to, to baptize little Jack. Look at his outfit. That is awesome. Uh, the, 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 almost a three-piece suit. Probably a thing in there. It's the best we can come up with. That's good. Uh, let's see. Through baptism... We are identified with Christ and His church. We are brought into God's mighty acts of salvation. This water reminds us that by our faith in Jesus, our sins are washed away. Our hearts are made clean. And it serves as a sign that we have entered the covenant community of faith. Just as Jack is part of the community of this family, that family is extended to our faith community. That means you. That means you online. And uh, we're glad to celebrate what God is not only doing in your lives, but also in the life of this family. And just because Jack, they don't sit Jack at the table while they eat and say, Hey, we'll wait till Jack is older, then he can choose his own food. Mom and Dad have a responsibility to feed him physically. They have a responsibility to take care of to take care of his clothes. They have a responsibility to educate him. And he, even though he learns naturally by himself, 
they still have a responsibility to teach him how to behave. And they have a responsibility to feed him spiritually as well. And we as the body of Christ refuse to neglect the spiritual food of our children. And that's what we believe is happening. We are not going to withhold God's grace from this child. And that's one of the things that we believe about baptism, especially for infants, is that God is already working in Jack's life. And we're here today to recognize that and to thank God for that and to ask God to continue to bless Jack by his presence in his life. That's what we're here to do today in this act of baptism. And as a family of God, we recognize God's love at work in our lives. And so we anticipate the day when Jack, having matured himself, will respond himself to God's grace and accept Jesus as his own Savior and Lord and pledge himself as a faithful follower of Jesus. Through the sacred act of baptism, we acknowledge the saving grace of God. Through faith. Yeah, Preston, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna kind of jump ahead because I'm talking too much, aren't I? You want to touch this? I told you when we met that we would make sure that it's not too hot, right? Does that feel too hot? No, it feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. You want to get in there? No. Okay. Preston, Josh and Preston, I'm going to ask that you would put your hands in the water here with me. And we're going to say a prayer and ask God to bless the water and also to bless Jack. Will you pray with me? Mom and Dad, I don't know, you want to step up and join them here too. Let's, let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask you to look down with love upon your church and open up for it this fountain of baptism. By the power of your Holy Spirit, bless this gift of water and Jack who receives it. And we trust that in this sacrament, your Holy Spirit will protect and guide him to the moment when he puts his trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Got my pages all flipped around here. I have a couple questions for for, uh, mom and dad. Just brief questions. Do you confess your own sinfulness and your need for God's forgiveness? If so, answer, I do. And do you admit and confess that Jesus loves you and forgives you and you, will, you believe in him and will seek to follow him all your days? If so, answer, I do. And it's based on that promise that they come and bring their son into this, into this family, into this work of God. So let's see if I can get Jack here. He's a... Come on, Jack. Wheaties. <laughs> Look at you. They're telling me you're a load. Well, that's not a nice thing to say. You like those bright lights. All righty. Preston and Josh, let's come over here. Jack, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You guys want to sprinkle some water on your brother's head? Go ahead. There you go. That was, that was, that was Josh. You're a beautiful boy. You're a beautiful boy. All right, let's all lay our hands on his head as we pray together. And I invite you to pray with me. Let's pray for Jack. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this child. We thank you for the family in which you have placed him. 
And we ask your Holy Spirit to come upon them and especially to come upon Jack all the days of his life, that as he comes to know who you are, that he responds to you with faith and commits himself to follow you and obey you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I wish they all could see what we see. He is, he is just looking at me like, I don't know what this man is doing, but it's got to be good. Oh, that everybody would look at me like that. But they don't. Woo, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Let's, we're going we're gonna, to, uh, Miss April will come forward. And now if the children uh, want to go with Miss April and follow her as we continue with our service, uh, we'll do that. All righty. God bless you all. Welcome them once again, would you please? Thank you, guys. We're going to jump right into our message this morning and and sticking with our theme for it's a cultural thing. Um, Doing something unique today, and uh, we have a couple things uh, with it's, it's it's a cultural thing. And I'm going to read a scripture, but before I read a scripture... I want us to watch, uh, uh, watch a movie. I know. Doug, don't say anything. Last night I said, now, I know you didn't come to church this morning to watch a movie. <laughs> and Doug shouted out, Amen. Quiet. And, uh, but this is a 22-minute movie. And it, and it describes some of the culture in which we live here in America. And, it, and, and it, this is Black History Month, and so this is, a, this is a, a part of the history of our nation trying to minister together, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we work through our racial relations. Now, don't get upset. Don't get nervous. It's okay. Because there's a good message in this, a message of celebration, a message of hope, a message that God has for us all to, to rejoice in. But I want us to, to watch this. This is, the, this is a story of a man named Richard Allen. Richard Allen was born a slave in what did we say, 1760. I think you'll, you'll hear some of this stuff. He was born a slave right here in the state of Delaware, not far from here on about a thousand acre plantation where now is located Dover Downs. Just north of the city of Dover, Richard Allen was born. At the age of seven, he was sold to a neighboring plantation. At the age of seven, he was sold to a neighboring plantation. The name of the owner of that plantation, the last name was... Sturgis. So, if you're familiar with, with, with members of our congregation, we have Sturgis family <laughs> in our church. I called Kevin Sturgis and I said, Kevin, how, how far back does your family go? He started telling me some, some stuff and I said, well, here's why I'm asking, because we think that your ancestor might have been a slave owner to this man, Richard Allen, who we're going to talk about today. Kevin said, that's not my family. <laughs> and one, of our, one of our members, one of our lay elders shouted out, uh, I, I, hey, Kevin, I want, my, I want my 40 acres and a mule <laughs> that you promised me. Well, I know Kevin. I don't think he's got 40 acres. 
I haven't seen a mule either. We'll stop with the jokes right there <laughs> about Kevin. So let's watch this video, and uh, I just ask you to keep it in, in, in context and, and see what the Lord can teach us from uh, Richard Allen's experience in this. Let's watch this, this video. It's called Richard Allen. Uh, I forgot the title of it. You'll see what the title is. Let's watch this. for the great things in this world takes pains to attain them. How can my hopes of everlasting life be well ground if I do not strive and labor for that eternal inheritance? Breathe forth love to thee, my God. and brought here. We have tilled the ground and made fortunes for thousands, and still they are not weary of our services. I was born in 1760, on February 14th, a slave to Benjamin Chu of Philadelphia. Richard Allen, my great-great-great-great-grandfather, was the founder and first bishop of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And he was sold at the age of seven years to a Stokely Sturgis in Delaware. Slavery is a bitter pill. We would think that our day's work was never done. And thus my troubles were increased, and I was often brought to weep. The rest of the family was sold off, and there was never any contact made with the ma major part of his family again. My sins were a heavy burden. I thought hell would be my portion. I cried unto him, and all of a sudden my dungeon shook. Chains flew off, and glory to God, I cried. I was constrained to go from house to house, exhorting my old companions and telling to all what a dear Savior I had found. 
I joined the Methodist Society and met in class in the forest. The relationship in Delaware, in the, in the forest and on the plantation, was really inclusive of all people. There was a welcoming sense of inclusion that uh, allowed both blacks and whites together to experience the religion and the interaction. One of the great things about reading about the story, The Life and Times of Richard Allen, was that all people were equal under the eyes of God. Methodism had a well-deserved reputation for being open to all people, regardless of color, class, or rank. And this kind of egalitarian attitude drew Allen and others to the Methodist sect. So when Allen met them, uh, it was not uncommon to find a black slave, for example, preaching to white slave owners. Richard Allen has this epiphany when he sees traveling preachers. He says, oh my God, the word of God will let me imagine another world where masters aren't in control of black people's lives and bodies. In addition to working long days, he starts to dedicate long evenings and early mornings to Bible worship. And this is his first foot out the door of slavery. It had often impressed upon my mind that I should one day enjoy my freedom. A door was opened unexpectedly for me to buy my time. My master proposed to me and my brother to buy our freedom. $2,000 continental money. I came to Philadelphia. Preaching was given out to me at 5 o'clock in the morning at St. George's Church. The Methodist movement in America was growing. The largest population of blacks in America at that time is here in Philadelphia. The numbers of blacks coming into St. George's Church were increasing by leaps and bounds. As Methodism became far more institutional, it seemed that it became less and less racially egalitarian. So it is at this moment that Richard Allen begins to ponder the creation of an African church. Absalom Jones and I discussed feeling cramped, so we saw the necessity of erecting a place of worship for the colored people. We raised a society of 42 members. A free African society. Most people probably thought he was out of his mind. I mean, you know, free. I mean, where, where would you go? The Methodist establishment was threatened by Allen's actions. The elders soon forbid us holding any such meetings. He used very degrading and insulting language to us. So, tensions are building when Richard Allen and Absalom Jones show up to church on a Sunday like they ordinarily would, but the rules have changed all of a sudden. Jones and Allen arrived that Sunday morning and were directed to the balcony. They felt that they were co-owners of this church. They were not going to sit in an all-black section.
we had not been long upon our knees before I saw one of the ushers having hold of Reverend Absalom Jones, pulling him up off his knees. The usher persisted and began to forcibly move Absalom Jones. Mr. Jones said, wait until prayer is over and I will get up and trouble you no more. By this time, prayer was over, and we all went out of the church in a body, and they were no more plagued with us in the church. So something very hostile, something very mean-spirited, something very awful happened that day. The walkout was the beginning of the civil rights movement in the United States of America. The black church gave Richard Allen a sense of freedom and autonomy impossible to imagine. We had no place of worship and we did not mean to go to St. George's Church anymore. Here was the beginning and rise of the first African church in America. In the summer of 1793, yellow fever broke out all over Philadelphia. The mayor of Philadelphia asked Absalom Jones and Richard Allen to help take care of the sick and the dead. Benjamin Rush, who was the leading physician in Philadelphia, wrongly concluded that people of African descent were immune from the effects of the yellow fever and thought that they could help their cause for equality and the creation of an inclusive society by going into the homes of white suffering Philadelphians and nursing those who were sick and burying those who had died. And so we did. Our moral certitude would be on trial and we would prove ourselves the equal. No, the superior, all of our vilifiers. They had carts and they were hauling bodies up and down the street and they were calling, bring out your dead. And there was just so much devastation and illness around the city and people just didn't know why everyone was dying. Matthew Carey, who was a local publisher, published an account wherein, as part of his story, he accused the nurses of having charged exorbitant rates and also of stealing from some of their patients. Instead of doing what most people would have done, which is simply just shrug their shoulders and say, what can we do? Uh, they did what was unheard of. They sat down and they wrote their own account. He was wrong in giving so partial and injurious an account of the colored nurses. If they have taken advantage of the public distress, is it any more than Mr. Carey hath done of its desire for information? This was the first copyrighted pamphlet published by Africans in America. 
while others allowed that Matthew Carey could write a one-sided story. Richard Allen understood that if you did not write down your version, then it didn't happen. Is it a greater crime for a black to pilfer than for a white to privateer? Such slanderers as these who propagate such willful lies are dangerous. The striking quality about Alan is that he has an indomitable will and really thinks that he can do anything in life. But the white Methodists force Alan's hand. They claim Bethel Church as their own. They aim to take over the church and install a white elder. Alan won't budge. He leads a resistance and the congregation backs him willingly. A new clergyman was appointed to take the charge in Philadelphia. He soon waked us up by demanding keys and books. Unless we submitted to him, he would read us all out of meeting. We told him the house was ours, we had bought it, and paid for it. This brought on a lawsuit, which ended in our favor, delivered by the providence of God and determined by the Supreme Court. The uh, very first sit-in in America was not in the 1950s at a lunch counter, but the first sit-in was actually at Mother Bethel Church. This led directly to the formation of the AME Church, and it became an unprecedented assertion of black self-determination. From Bethel, the church would grow and grow rapidly. The AMB Church came to be, as W.E.B. Du Bois described, the greatest Negro organization in the world. Women were always there. Women were with Allen and Jones as they walked out of St. George Methodist Episcopal Church. This was certainly the case for his first wife, Flora, who helped form the Free African Society. When Flora died, Allen married Sarah Bass, who had distinguished herself as a nurse during the yellow fever epidemic. They had six children together, Sarah became very involved in helping Alan build the church. She became the quintessential mother and a role model for other African women. Preaching under the auspices of Bethel and other AME churches was the job of men. Women didn't lead. Darina Lee was a young mother in Alan's congregation. She was sanctified and inspired by Alan. She felt the calling to preach. There was a lot of opposition to women speaking in Alan's church. Richard Allen said that the Methodist discipline knew nothing about women preachers. So Allen is deliberately ambiguous. He never said no. He meant no. 
but he didn't want the record to reflect no. While there was involvement of women in the life of the church, there was no involvement at the level of ministry and ordination and preaching. Then one day, as a minister at Bethel is preaching, he loses his place. It was at that point that Doreena Lee, feeling the spirit, preached that text with fervor. And it was in that particular moment of the spirit that Richard Allen recognized and acknowledged that indeed Doreena Lee was called of God to preach. But she continued to receive resistance from some of her brothers. But it did not stop her. Oh, how careful ought we be, lest we call into disrepute even the word of life, she warned. Despite many successes, especially in creating an independent black church, Richard Allen confronted many frustrations and disappointments. And he was mad and angry with American society and he was afraid that many of his hopes, dreams, and aspirations would not be realized. It's, it's not surprising, uh, after all that Allen had gone through uh, in his later years, that he would begin to have doubts about whether or not America could be a place and a home for blacks. Richard Allen and his colleagues began to explore options for a free black colony, either in Haiti, or in Africa, or perhaps even in Canada. They were serious. But at the same time, a group of whites formed the American Colonization Society. From the outset, the American Colonization Society was a front to send all free blacks out of American society. They never intended to send slaves to Africa. Richard Allen still believed that the idea of some African Americans immigrating outside of the United States was worthy of discussion. There was a meeting held at Mother Bethel in 1817 where the leadership in the black community called together a mass meeting of black Philadelphians to discuss colonization. When all of the discussion had ended and the meeting was coming to its conclusion, it was clear that the movement was not going to find favor. Richard Allen was an intelligent man he was a fearless man. Everything that he did was helping us prepare for the future. By the end of his life, through the ups and through the downs, Alan became really committed to staying in America and making things work. And uh, it's amazing because when he died 1831, there really weren't many signs that uh, were hopeful that um, things would ever get better for the majority of blacks in America. And yet, uh, he died at peace, that this was home. This land which we have watered with our tears and our blood is now our mother country and we are well satisfied to stay. Here, wisdom abounds, and the 
gospel is free. Thank you, thank you for uh, watching, watching that. I, I was raised in the uh, United Methodist Church, and I'm very proud of the heritage that came through, the, 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 all that comes from the Wesleyan movement, started by John Wesley back in the 1700s. And it's amazing for, to me to, to learn about Richard Allen, born in 1760. When was the Civil War? And when was slavery finally abolished? 1860. 1865. And he died in 1831. So he, he died before even knowing that the time of slavery in America would be done. Another, it's difficult sometimes for us to understand. And we hear this term, um, institutional racism or systemic racism. And, and I know I've had all kinds of debates about, yes it is, no it's not, how, how it gets in there. 
Well, this was a fabulous example about how it gets in there. And I have mixed, mixed emotions, mixed feelings about, about what, what a beautiful thing it is. And I'm proud of this, that in the, the, the early establishment of the Methodist Church in America, all, everybody was welcome to worship together, to come to meetings together, to kneel in the same place and pray together. But did you catch that as the church became institutionalized, that racism began to show itself, and it was the church that took its authority. And, and I grieve that. And I long for the day when we can, we can joyfully be back together and, and, and worship and fellowship and receive one another without regard to what you look like, what you act like, how you, how you, how you smell, <laughs> or what you eat, or whatever it might be. That we would just see in one another the creation that each other is in the image of God. And I know that that's very simplistic and it's not always that simple to see. I want to read from the book of Luke and keep, keep, our, keep us as a church focused on what Jesus has asked us to do. So we go to Luke chapter 5 and we look at this, this verse that says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on Him to listen to the Word of God. Everybody came to hear the Word of God. That's all we wanted, they wanted to do. Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them there. They were washing their nets. He stepped into one of the boats. Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out onto the water. And Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Simon replied, Master, we worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners on the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Simon realized what had happened. He fell to his knees just before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please forgive me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James, John, and sons of Zebedee, were amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. There's some phrases in here that I want us to take home and ponder about. And one of those is, if you say so. There is a, there, there, there is a statement of disbelief in that. I joked last night and, and on Friday was uh, at prayer time. We were talking about this scripture and there, there, most of us at the beginning it was just all men and we were all married and I said what happens in your marriage when you say to your wife if you say so <laughs> your wife all of us laughed and said no 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 we would not get away with that and Peter says if you say so Peter was not convinced that what Jesus had instructed him to do would actually work. In fact, he thought it would not work. And it's almost as if Peter is saying to Jesus, All right, I'll do what you say, but you're going to see that you're the fool. 
Jesus proved him absolutely wrong. All Jesus is asking us to do is to obey him. Peter did not believe Jesus was who he said he was. But he was willing to do what Jesus said. That's all we need to do. Are you? And then what happens afterwards is the belief follows. Because Jesus proves who he is. Thank you. I'm pounding on that pulpit right there, James. Are you willing to do that? To trust Jesus with your life. Say, Jesus, if you say so, I receive the gift of forgiveness. If you say so, I'm going to live as though my sins are forgiven. And then, just as, just as Richard Allen knelt in that river as we watched, and he confessed his sin, his need for Christ, Christ broke the bonds of his sinfulness long before he broke the bonds of, of slavery. Jesus does what Jesus says he'll do. Trust him. Obey him. You will see the proof of Jesus in your life. So we leave that today. We celebrate what God has done in our lives and that even through the brokenness of humanity, evidenced in this video, but also evidenced in each of our own lives, God chooses to use our brokenness to bring His healing. And we thank God for so as we sing and as we worship, I invite you to come and make your own confession of your own need of God. Say, Lord Jesus, I, I think about who you are. I think about the Scriptures. And I'm not sure. But if you say so, I will trust you and I will follow you stand together as we as we pray and I invite you if you're online to, to make a, a, a ask for prayer online or to make your own confession right where you are and to trust God in the way he leads you let's sing together as we pray and as we respond to God's word hundreds of years old written by a former slave owner named John Newton who after a long time, you can read the story, it's, it's too long to go into right now, but after a long period of time, realized that they needed to be set free, and he renounced his position as a slave owner. And I was struck by the portion of the video where he walked into the water and he said, my chains were broken and they were gone. It's worship. Amazing grace, how sweet. Yeah.
for the grace in our lives, the grace and the mercy to see us through, the grace and the mercy to come and to break the bonds of sin and death in the grave. Lord, we are no longer slaves to sin. We walk in newness of life because of you. So, Lord, today we pray that you would, your Holy Spirit would go with us. Lord, as we leave, we pray that that Spirit would go with us into the world. We thank you for your blessing. We're just going to continue to spend a few minutes in worship up here. The front is still open for prayer. Uh, if you're online and need someone to pray with you, our host will be around for another 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, you can leave your prayer request with them. Folks at the prayer station, God bless you. Thank you for being here. When you need to go, you can go. My chains are gone.